Game number one of 34 in the books, and after a 3-2 win at home against FC Cincinnati, New York hits the road for three straight, starting in Utah with Real Salt Lake. I'm Matt Harmon from the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. My partner Steve Jolly and I break down the first game of the season, look ahead to Saturday, and hop around an exciting week one in Major League Soccer. It's inside the booth, and it's right here on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. going and happy to be talking about a three-point victory on Sunday as New York opened up the 2020 MLS season with a 3-2 victory over Cincinnati with my partner Steve Jolly. I'm Matt Harmon. We're of course the crew in the New York Red Bulls radio network and uh, Steve it wasn't always pretty especially in the second half and we'll be able to break that down but boy what a good start for New York a good first half and always important to get those first three points checked off the ledger to start off a season. I completely agree with you, Matt. And hello. The introductions are always important, first and, and foremost, right? And and hello. And hello. But yes, I couldn't agree with you more. You get the three points at home. We talked about, you know, so many times on the broadcast of how important those three points were, knowing that we were going to be on the road quite a bit over the next uh, month or two. And uh, yes, it wasn't always pretty. It was probably the tale of two halves, but we got the three goals, we got the debut, and we got the three points. And a really good way for uh, this New York Red Bull team to kind of start off because you, you do think of it, right, Steve? There was a lot of questions about the offseason, the players who weren't necessarily there anymore, um, still some availability in terms of bringing players in. So how would it all kind of piece together? Uh, this was a New York Red Bull team that take what you want out of it for the preseason. They didn't lose in three games in Arizona against the MLS teams. But I'm not really sure that anyone understood just how it would all come together. Um, and specifically to that first half, right from the jump, the first five minutes, you had a sense that the energy for this team uh, was something that might be able to carry them through some some rougher times. And you mentioned the three-game uh, road trip coming up. If you can play energetic, pressing soccer like New York does, you are going to always be a tough team to match up against. Yeah, I mean, in the pregame interview, Coach Chris Armas mentioned it. You got to be hardworking. You got to be humble. And I think that first half kind of showed that. You know, you mentioned that there's quite a bit of uh, quote unquote question marks, and uh, and I thought they were answered at least in the first 45 minutes. You can't ask for you know a perfect situation or a perfect game, uh, especially when you've had so many changes and some new faces. But uh, I think it's safe to say that uh, Mr. Kyle Duncan did quite well on the right hand side. Uh, Kaku uh, showed his. <laughs> ability to not only be involved in, in in making some assists but also some goals and uh Royer scored some goal as well our captain Sean Davis did exceptionally well to kind of calm the team down when things weren't going uh, our way at least in the second half and um I think a bright spot also should be probably thrown out there to uh to Mr. Velo as well yeah it was tremendous uh coming back and certainly a guy that you are rooting for 
during the course of the season because he was on his way to a great campaign in 2018, then suffers the knee injury, comes back, gets himself back together uh, for 2019, then loses that entire year essentially again. Um, and I think you, you really did see the partnership and the chemistry that exists between him and Kaku specifically and the two forwards attacking up top in this particular case, Brian White and Danny Royer, there's a lot of creativity, you know, and, yeah. and I can always think back to um, even when Jesse Mars was the coach and then when Chris took over, they both kind of always said the same thing to me. He's almost like having a number 10 on the field, but has qualities of a number eight. So he's that complete hybrid. And in this 4-2-2-2 system, he might be exactly what New York needs. I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, I think what's most exciting um, is that, uh, you know, I t tend to, especially in the early parts of the season, try to keep the, you know, the glass half full in that kind of sense. Um, you get kind of the performance that you want it from Royer. You get the performance more specifically, maybe the combo, uh, which I think is an important, you know, two combo of, of Cosseris and, uh, and, and Sean Davis, uh, some stability in the back line. I thought, uh, both Parker and, and especially Tark did exceptionally well in the first half. And then the young rookie uh, on the left-hand side, you know, I think he played himself into the game quite well. He was simple and, uh, you know, in his passes and, and when he could get forward, he got involved and engaged in, in the offense. But, you know, overall, I just thought that, you know what, I, I think at the end of the day to, uh, and, and I think Chris even mentioned, you know, he felt like this was a team that could uh, compete. Uh, I know that they're doing a new pressing system. I'm trying to understand exactly, you know, what is happening you know, player by player in this new pressing system, but it seemed to work in the first 45 minutes. Um, and, uh, you know, I think you know, when I look at this team and I look at the, the positives, I think, I mean, you can pretty much look at that, that second goal is a little bit of a fluke goal, how it, bar you know, bounced off to Sean Davis and, uh, and led to the Cincy, uh, for to go in on Jensen, but I think there's so many positives that can be taken from this game, and I think that's the, the kind of standard you want to go into uh, when you're thinking about uh, going on the road for what, what four out of the next five, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Well, three in a row, which will start on uh, Saturday in Real Salt Lake. We'll have the coverage for you on the New York Red Bulls radio network uh, with our hour-long pregame show. It's a two o'clock kick on the East Coast, but it'll be a noon kick in Salt Lake, so we'll actually start that in the morning in Utah. Look forward to being out there. And then it's Minnesota, and then it's Miami. Um, so, yes, getting the three points at home important. You mentioned the play of the left back, the rookie Patrick Segrist, who had just signed his contract a day or two prior to the season opener. Um, a solid shift for sure, and, and that's certainly – a player that will be under a lot of scrutiny because you're replacing yeah. Kamar Lawrence, who was one of the left backs in Major League Soccer over the course of the last several years. Um, and and no, we did not see him making the runs that Kamar Lawrence did, but you actually referenced it during the course of the broadcast. Maybe especially to start the season, what's the easiest thing to tell a young player? Hey, you know what? Just kind of stay at home and be a defender yeah. first. And then as the season progresses, maybe that will open the door. It certainly opened the door for Kyle Duncan because at times it was almost a three-back system with Kyle Duncan becoming a wingback down the right side. But maybe in the in the maturation for Patrick Segrist, it's easier to just worry about, as you always say to me, your role and responsibility, keep the ball out of the back of the net. Yeah, and uh, and it's kind of, the, at least I think it's words of wisdom that were given to me. You know, when I – 
started in this league. I, I mean, I never played defense in my entire life. I was an attacking center midfielder in a fort, and uh, and I got thrown into a position after an injury on the right-hand side, and it was Robin Frazier and Don, uh, Dan Kalishman and Greg Manny, all coaches in Major League Soccer right now, who essentially told me, I think, really important uh, words of wisdom for a small you know, young player who uh, is starting a new position is simply, you know, like, you know, get yourself in the game, make simple passes, stay at home for a while. And if you do have a gaping hole to, you know, the fill going forward, then you do. Um, but it's going to take you a couple of games until you feel really comfortable with the speed of play. And um, and overall, I think you have to give him high marks, Seagrass, because he was smart. You know, he just kind of played simple and that's what you want in your back line. And uh, he relied on his line with Parker and, and Tark, who I think were, were great in terms of keeping it vocal. And, and let's not let's not. Be, I mean, we missed a big guy, a big time player, uh, knowing that, um, you know, you got a guy who uh, in, in Parker, who I, I you know, I let's be honest, I, I've told him that is the most important player, I think, on the field right now is because we need that stability like we had in 2018. Um, Aaron Long not being in the game at the very kind of last minute, day by day, and Tark steps in exceptionally well. I thought Parker uh, played a good game. Uh, more importantly, I think Parker played one of those games defensively that you always like to see. If if you're not bringing up a defender's name, uh, you know, after a game, then they probably did their job, and I think Parker did his job. Steve, I think well said on all accounts. I guess if you're looking at it from a perspective of, I mean, listen, anybody would say, what's the positive, what's the negatives? The negatives would be you come out in the first 60 seconds of the second half and you give up a goal and you probably make the game a little harder than it needs to be. Um, And I said this to you during the course of the broadcast, and I'm um, I'm always kind of amazed by when this happens. New York, in a lot of ways to me, played almost a perfect first 45 minutes. What happens from the first half to the second half that the game kind of completely changes on its head? Yeah, it's something, I guess it's, it's the, the mythical question that every coach wants answered, you know, because, you know, you have a, a halftime conversation that we did with uh, assistant coach Bradley Carnell, and you knew that uh, he was going to go into that locker room along with his coaching staff, you know, CJ and and Preston and coach Chris Armas and, and make sure and, 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 you know, just and suggest that there's no reason whatsoever that this team should have complacency going out in the second half and you give up an early goal. So that's not necessarily a positive, but a, a great teaching point, a great teaching point kind of going forward. And uh, so, you know, I wish I, I had the answer for that one. Um, I think sometimes it's just a, uh, you know, whether it be a freak will or, you know, a lack of focus, at least, you know, in the first you know minute or two of this team. But, um, you know, obviously a, a negative when you give up a goal within the, you know, 10 minutes of a starter inning of a first half. And um, but in saying that, we still created some some chances. Uh, and, and again, at the end of the day, did you get your debut? Did you get your three points? And are you currently <laughs> right now, you know, first in Eastern Conference? You know, yes, yes and yes. So you take it, and that's uh, simply what you're saying. And, by the way, we saw something that I can't even remember the last time I saw it. How about David Jensen putting the hat on in the second half? Yeah, I mean, I think it was pretty brutal, you know, the sun facing north the way it did. And so, you know, no question that that was probably – you know, probably the right decision. I think the last time I saw that was uh, Kevin Hartman in Dallas, you know, about 10 years ago. But, um, you know – Jensen, uh, I don't know much about him, but I do know one thing. He's a big boy, and he controlled his box pretty well.
on the day. And it will be interesting to see how that kind of develops. Ryan Merrill working his way back uh, from a little bit of injury. Aaron Long working his way back. So it was a Red Bull team that necessarily was not at full strength going into the season opener. They'll have to turn the page pretty quick because uh, never easy to win on the road, let alone three games in a row. Um, You know, Steve, we talked about the 25th year of Major League Soccer uh, starting over the course of the weekend, Saturday for some games, Sunday in our case and some of the other games, it is pretty amazing and and nobody better to ask this of than you. It is pretty amazing to see how far the league has come, the direction the league is going with the team still coming in. um, And in a lot of ways, you've said this the last couple of years, we've been doing this podcast. It's definitely something to keep an eye on to see just how far the league can continue to develop. Yeah, I mean, this is an exciting year, and I'm glad that we're celebrating the way we are uh, league-wise. Um, in terms of the 25th year, you know, I was sitting there literally, you know, Saturday night watching the <laughs> the national game against Atlanta, Fox TV, not Fox 1, not Fox Sports 1, Fox, Fox Sports 2, or, you know, all the other Fox, or <laughs> Fox soccer that used to be. Um, this was Fox National Channel, uh, 60,000 people in Nashville, Tennessee, to watch this game. And, uh, and it seems like it's a reoccurring theme that we keep on going, wow, you know, like it just keeps on getting bigger and better in all aspects of it, whether that's through, you know, the teams, whether it's through the organization straight down in terms of how they're promoting the teams and the sport, the academies. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, you know, and I think you'll probably say the same thing. It's, it's fun being associated with this league. Um, I've been associated with 24 out of the 25 years, whether it's be, you know, playing or, you know, doing TV and radio. And uh, I just love being along the ride, I guess, is the best way of saying it. Yeah, it definitely is uh, fun, and you kind of see what took place. You mentioned the, the Nashville, um, and I had a lot of fun watching the games on Sunday. Uh, I didn't really have a, can- a chance to, to catch many of them on Saturday on TV, but watched a full slate of them after we had left our game on Sunday, caught the end of the Miami uh, and LAFC game, then watch Portland and, and Minnesota. It, it, it is really fun to watch. I think the level of soccer and the level of play has obviously gotten better. The players, the talent, everything's certainly um, on the upswing. And it is a New York Red Bull team that when you look at the team and the way they are constructed, uh, if you can, and I will say this, if you can survive the first two months March and April, because of all the road games that you have, you set yourself up in a really good spot with a lot of home games during the course of the summer into the fall. Uh, you, you, you are going to have to scratch and claw a little bit over the course of the next few. You know what? I'm going to put you on the spot because I had a, um, we'll just say, a, a, a disagreement with somebody. And uh, and the question was pro, uh, was proposed to us is, is this, or at least to me, was this. Um, it, it basically referred to the fact that, uh, you know, this this pressing system that we've always talked about the last couple of years with Red Bull and the system that they play and the style that they play, that can they be successful doing that same pressing style now that teams have seen it time and time again? So I'm going to ask you, we've talked about the system. We've talked about the importance of the Red Bull system, this pressing style. Do you think it can be success, successful with all the different changes that we have in the lineups today? I think successful for sure, because I, I, I mean, I think you have to look no further than 
um, the Bundesliga, right? I mean, that's kind of the blueprint to see how Red Bull Leipzig plays and the success that they have. It's not like they're tricking anybody into what they're doing. Um, you know, I, as I was watching the LAFC Miami game, uh, that game was also on on national TV, and you and you think of it, and they were comparing not not player for player, and I saw some people be very critical of it. They were comparing the pressing style of LAFC to the way Liverpool plays. Uh, Liverpool essentially the best team right now in the in, in the entire world, having won Champions League, leading the Premier League this year. Um, I mean, it, it's not like any of the teams that are pressing type teams. Nobody's surprised by it. So why would anyone be surprised that Red Bull could be successful with it? Um, I think the idea is can they adjust on the fly the way that teams will sometimes bypass the pressure, just play long balls over the top? You think of it, New York had a 3-2 win on Sunday against Cincinnati, and by all accounts, that game could have been over in the first 20 minutes, um, and maybe New York winds up winning that game 5-1. So, okay, you win it 3-2. You look at the statistical part, and Cincinnati had the better of the possession. They had, I think, 56 to 44%. That's a perfect number for New York because if you think of it, they don't necessarily want to have the ball. Um, So can you think of ways, if you're Chris Armas and his staff, can you think of ways to then – contrast what teams are going to do to you okay take the ball and you figure it out rather than the other way New York always wanting the other team to have the ball pin them in in their final third Uh, I think it's interesting but I I don't think anything that any team does in today's day and age should come as a surprise to anybody else because of the the level of scouting and video that you have I think it's the level. So first of all, I think you're on the side of the the same answer that I had. Um, I see no reason whatsoever that a system like this where you're high pressuring can, uh, can be successful in Major League Soccer. No, I mean, I just look at you know the names and the people that are fitting in the slots and uh, were prepared to fit in slots if there was going to be some injuries relative, or even, you know, whatever, call-ups or whatever it may be relative to an important summer in U.S. soccer and, and world soccer this summer. Um, you know, I just... You, you look at all the attrition attrition in the league and you look at different players changing and coaches changes and all that kind of stuff. And you saw a Cincinnati team go out there and they were trying to build out of the back in the first half and they got murdered. And I'm, uh, and I'm, and I wouldn't be surprised as kind of, you know, world soccer starts continuing to say, Hey, you know, we're going to build out of the back, build out of the back that this, you know, Red Bull organization and, and the players associate with this, this team right now can't be successful. Um, do we need to be a little bit uh, smarter, you know, when the long balls come and how to adjust and, and, and you know, and, and how to kind of, I think the biggest thing for me, when I kind of look at uh, at least the consistency of um, trying to manage a team that, you know, plays the long ball, I think it goes down to, you know, our back line and, and having some consistency with, you know, the players that are in there. Um, I thought one of the struggles that we had last year was not only, you know, just not only the, the injuries, but, you know, the different names and, you know, whether they're going to be involved in the game and whether we're not going to be involved in the game. And uh, if we can have, a, you know, a back line of, of, of maybe five or six players that you can find and feel comfortable with that these are going to be your five or six players on the back line, um, I think that could be one of the big keys on how we manage the first, you know, let's say, you know, eight to 10 games. And, uh, and if Segrist continues to do what he did and, and Tark steps in, if, you know, Parker's not available or Aaron Long's not available and Duncan as a young player, you know, will probably be involved with some youth national team stuff this summer. So we're going to have to have somebody that can fill in that spot as well. If we can find some consistency in the back line and, and continue to press 
uh, the way we are, I still think we have a great potential of having some good success this season. We'll take a quick time out here on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. When we come back, Steve and I will dig into those next three games. Start with Real Salt Lake, a game that comes up on Saturday. It's an early kickoff uh, in Utah, 2 o'clock here on the East Coast. Stick around. We're back right after this. Download the New York Red Bulls app today to stay up to date on everything New York Red Bulls. Buy, share, and scan your tickets. Get all the latest news and content and listen to New York Red Bulls radio in English and Spanish. Then flip to arena mode to find concessions near your location and get real-time answers from the Red Bulls chatbot. Available now on iOS and Android or visit NewYorkRedBulls.com for more information. It's another edition of Inside the Booth. Matt Harmon, Steve Jolly from the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. We just uh, spent some time breaking down the 3-2 win over Cincinnati on the backside here in our second segment. Steve, let's look into uh, the schedule coming up and more specifically, obviously, talk about this game on Saturday with Real Salt Lake, a team uh, that opened up over the course of the weekend. They were able to get a point on the road in Orlando, uh, a team that I did see play a couple of times when I was in Arizona for preseason, and I think a lot like Cincinnati, a team that has a huge amount of questions going into the early part of the season. Well, you said it. I mean, and this is very difficult. Uh, you know, every single year you have, like I said, so much attrition, players moving, new teams coming in, new coaches coming in. Um, you know, there's some question marks, uh, I think, with uh, with Salt Lake. And and I, I watched quite a bit of their game against Orlando City. And, uh, and I just, in all frankness, I wasn't very much impressed. Uh, I think they were very fortunate to get away and get out of Orlando with uh, – with a clean sheet and also get the point. And, uh, you know, I think this is an opportunity against a team that really hasn't defined itself exceptionally well. Um, I think, um, you know, now that Ramondo's gone and McMath, um, I've seen quite a bit over the years, especially, uh, you know, when he played here in Philadelphia. So I think we can test him early and often. It's also a team that, you know, has, likes to play the possession game. So I think, as we mentioned before, our, our, our pressing can be pretty effective there. They've got some attacking talent. And, uh, you know, I, I guess the big question mark for me is, um, or at least somebody I'd like to see some more minutes with, uh, with, um, with Real Salt Lake is uh, is obviously uh, Rossi. Just after Rossi, I saw him when he was a kid in New Jersey. That's uh, showing my age there, and obviously he's had a tremendous, tremendous you know career. And uh, I'd like to see him probably being more involved with this Salt Lake team. But uh, I'm still trying to define on what they're trying to accomplish there with Salt Lake. Uh, going back to uh, all the controversy, obviously last year, and uh, I still think it's an organization that uh, is really struggling to, to kind of define itself. And uh, you know they've got a talented youth academy system there, but. Um, you know, it's kind of waiting and see uh, with this game, I think. Yeah, I think wait and see. And I think if you if you look at it, um, you know, of the next couple of games, can you get yourself a point? Can you get yourself three points while you're on the road against a Salt Lake team, um, w- which you'll only see once, sparring something in the playoffs or the Open Cup. you only see once during the course of the year. And it might be one of those teams you are better off playing early than you are playing late because you'd have to think – they will figure it out a little bit. They will uh, make the changes that they need to make. And I say that as a, as a major assumption. And I would almost liken them a little bit to Cincinnati. I'd have to think when we see Cincinnati in a couple of months, when we are, are in Cincy uh, the first Wednesday of May, they'll have some of their other pieces 
in place. We saw Lacadia come in and be much, much better as a striker than maybe what was there at the beginning of the game. De Jong will be part of it. So it'll be a different Cincinnati team when we see it. And I think for Salt Lake, I think it's a team you want to play now and maybe try and steal some points on the road uh, before you play a much improved Minnesota team, before you play a Miami team, which you know in their second home game will be raring to go. So get the points now against maybe the easiest of the three if you look at the next three weeks. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't see much. I, I saw a little bit of the Minnesota in Portland game, and uh, and I got to tell you, Minnesota looks really good. Um, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people this season. Uh, Molina was on great form, had, you know, two good goals there. Um, you know, if you're going to look at trying to get some points, I think you got to get a, you know, some points against uh, this Salt Lake team that's really trying, like I said, trying to define its identity right now. They're going to be at home, but in saying that, I don't see any reason why we can't press them a little bit and hopefully get out of there because, you know, that Minnesota game is going to be tough going and uh, in Miami. You know, who, who, what's to expect with Miami? They're obviously going to be really excited playing their second game at at uh, in Fort Lauderdale. And, um, yeah, this is it's going to be an interesting, I think, three weeks. Um, you know, I think when you look at it from not just a, a game-by-game basis, but you, if you theme it, and, and most coaches, you know, usually try to theme their seasons by little, like, segments in the season. And I think the coaching staff uh, are probably looking at these three games and starting playing the point game of, you know, wouldn't it be great if we got, you know, four points or, you know, six points out of this next, you know, three games or something like that, because, you know, you are playing against a Salt Lake team that has no identity right now. You looking at a Minnesota team, that's going to be, you know, quite difficult to play against at home. Uh, you don't know what you're going to get weather <laughs> weather wise as well. And then you have, of course, a Miami organization that too is, is, is just a big, big question mark. It's, it's not an easy time of the year to really kind of look into teams and say, Hey, you know, with the exception of Minnesota, to say, hey, you know, this is exactly what we expect from them. The Red Bulls' next home game, not until the end part of March when they will welcome in uh, a team that Real Salt Lake just played, Orlando City. For tickets and more information, go to NewYorkRedBulls.com or Ticketmaster.com. Plenty of games remaining, obviously, with the season just getting up and going. New York getting their first three points of the year, knocking off FC Cincinnati. Steve, let's just do a quick little look. I mean, it, it sounds like you spent a considerable amount of time, which I love to hear, watching and checking in on as many games as you could. We have referenced some of them. Um, what were maybe the biggest surprises that you saw out of week number one in Major League Soccer? Um, yeah, well, I guess the first thing I need to talk about is probably, and I, I mean, Joseph Martinez, ACL injury. That's probably the biggest news that we're going to be talking about for the next couple of weeks. I hate to see it, whether it be below. Uh, I unfortunately had in my rookie year an ACL tear. So, you know, he's going to be lost for the year. How does Atlanta respond? Um, you know, supporting KC did exceptionally well. Uh, but going back to Joseph, my thoughts and prayers are with that guy. I think he's uh, an incredible ambassador of Major League Soccer. He's a personality that our league is definitely going to miss this season. So I hopefully he'll get you know healthy uh, sooner rather than later. Um, let's talk. Uh, I think FC Dallas. Uh, I thought uh, took it to Philadelphia Union. Sporting KC looked good. Um, it'll be interesting. Uh, I think we had a big matchup between two Eastern Conference teams that I think we're going to have to worry about a little bit in terms of Columbus and NYCFC. But uh, overall, you know, I think what we're seeing here more than ever anything else is, um, you know, the teams, the stars, you know, will come out 
as the season progresses. I mean, Vela's goal, <laughs> I mean, in Miami, uh, how special was that? Um, you know, this is an exciting team. I think uh, that uh, L.A., Minnesota uh, will be talented, sporting KC on that west, uh, the east. Look at, uh, obviously, I think we'll be fine relative to uh, competing. Um Columbus and, and, and NYCFC are going to be uh, pushing hard there. But uh, if you were to give, you know, a couple teams that I think really excelled and got a good start to their season, I would probably look at, you know, FC Dallas, Sporting KC, and uh, in Minnesota with having, you know, three really, really good performances there in the first week. Last couple of minutes here on our March edition of uh, Inside the Booth with Steve Jolly. I'm Matt Harmon. Steve, I, you know, it was funny when you look back at the first weekend of Major League Soccer, obviously the injury to Martinez. I think some other uh, people should continue to pay attention to the main transfer window of Major League Soccer is open. D.C. United making a couple of moves. They bring in uh, Frederico Iguain, former player with Columbus, obviously. They've also acquired another guy that used to play with the crew. That's Mohamed Abu. And I say that because I, I still think there is that opportunity for New York to find the right player that fits within the system because you have that main transfer window and you are starting to see um, just some more news about players in Europe or South Central America that maybe aren't fitting in with their teams um, as the the calendar obviously a little bit different here in the United States, but it might be the perfect time um, for any team essentially in Major League Soccer to, to bring in a piece or two to make them feel a little bit better roster-wise. You brought up an interesting point there, um, and uh, I think it's very interesting uh, relative to D.C. United. How about them bringing Inguaina in as not only a player, but also an assistant coach, a playing assistant coach? Player development coach is how he's yeah. dubbed. Yeah, yeah, because I think they probably you know knew they were going to do it as an assistant coach, and it looked really awkward. <laughs> so they were trying to, to play the political game there. Uh, and anyway, let's not talk about D.C. United. Move on. <laughs> in reference to, uh, to, to NYC, I mean, I'm sorry, to, to Red Bull, um, you know, we talked about uh, an earlier podcast uh, of who I think, you know, needed to come up big this year. And we also did it in the broadcast. And that's uh, obviously Tim Parker. I think, you know, him being a consistent hand uh, on, on a daily basis is going to be huge for us. He's got a great start, great start after that first game. Another thing that we didn't really talk about is um, it's Kevin, you know, obviously the position of director of sport. You know, this gives him, I think, and I do not have any inside knowledge, obviously, but I think this gives him an opportunity to really watch our team, be involved in our organization. Um, obviously, with the Wolves, he's got an incredible experience, and uh, and now we get an opportunity for him to to lead this organization, not necessarily on the field, but you know off the field in terms of bringing some of his network in here to uh, you know the excitement around Major League Soccer. And I'm going full circle here as we talk the. Uh, you know, the beginning of the podcast and, and Major League Soccer 2050. You know, I think when you look at, you know, having a new director of sport and, and having one with such an incredible, you know, experience in the network that he brings in, uh, why wouldn't we be optimistic that there's going to be some additions at some point that can really, really benefit our style of play? Steve referencing Kevin Thelwell, who was uh, announced in the preseason as the new director of sport for the New York Red Bulls. Uh, Dennis Hamlet is the sporting director. So you've got two guys essentially trying to put these 
puzzle pieces together. Uh, Kevin has not officially started still working on some of the visa stuff to uh, get himself up and running. Um, but I would imagine at this point has a little bit of a pulse in terms of what's taking place with the team. It will be really good to see when it's all full and all put together uh, just what direction this team will go. They've added people in scouting. They've added people from player performance. Um, so it, it seems like the the support group and the network group is now there uh, from the academy on its way up all the way through that new head of sport position um, that the franchise, the organization, the ownership, Steve, realizes, I think, there is the chance to have Red Bull be uh, one of, if not the premier organization in Major League Soccer. Yeah, why not? I mean, at the end of the day, why not? I think when you look at um, you know the numbers and the system and, and the amount of talent that it's coming out of our academy system, it seems like uh, you know every time I turn on Twitter, there's something about an incredible result by by our, our younger players in the academy system. Uh, I mean, I think that you know this is a time to be optimistic about the way we're going. We got a good result. Uh, uh, you know, to start the season with the, with our system, um, we've got talented players that you know that can perform. Uh, we're going to rely heavily on, on Captain Sean Davis. You saw Velo step up and step into um, a starting role and do what he did in 2018. Kaku had a great start to uh, to to his 2020 campaign. We had a solid back line. We're, we've got uh, two number ones in keeper. And, uh, you know, I think we have a lot to be positive about right now with this season. And uh, and I think these next three games uh, on the road will, will show a lot of what we're made of and, uh, and what might need to change relative to, you know, specific players or whatever it may be. But as of right now, I think uh, we look solid and I think we can go into a team uh, there in Salt Lake and, and get – at the very least, a point. And uh, I mean, I think you, you just, there's a lot of optimism right now. And I think you go into that locker room, you know, whether it be before the game or after the game, you know, there's a belief in, 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 in the locker room and, uh, and there's a confidence and, you know, there's just a, a great, great spirit there. And I think Chris Armas has it right when he uh, goes into the system, like, you know, I am going to control the things that I control. And right now, you know, it's the players that are there the system that he knows and feels comfortable with. And, uh, and so far, you know, I, I'm looking at, uh, I'm not happy about giving up a goal in the first you know minute or two of the second half, but I'm happy that we got our result. Uh, I think the second goal there at Cincinnati was a float fluke goal. And, uh, and, you know, anytime we can show our system in the first half and still come away with a win and also, you know, being able to show people that we can score some goals, I'm all in. If you want to agree with what Steve and I say, if you want to disagree with what Steve and I say, you can uh, find us on Twitter. Steve is at JustJolly. I am at HarmonMT. We'd love to interact and engage with the fan base as we start this 2020 season. Uh, we'll have some fun for you along the way here with all of our podcast stuff. Uh, you can follow, like, comment, rate us, do any of it uh, so that we know that you're out there. Had some fun, actually, Steve, yesterday um, talking about why we call Kaku El Tigre, and I loved the comment, <laughs> and I loved the question. So if you have more of it from the fan base, please, by all means, send us any message uh, that you want to. If there's topics that you want us to discuss as we get up and going here, uh, we are here for you. You will be there for us, and it will be a real nice back and forth during the 2020 season. Let's get after it. All right, buddy. I will see you uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, we've got the coverage for you in Real Salt Lake. I'll be there uh, in the outskirts of Salt Lake City. Again, it's an early start for us, our pregame show uh, on the uh, 
Utah area will start at 11 o'clock, 1 o'clock East Coast time, 2 o'clock kickoff. Should be fun. The first of three road games. It'll be uh, Real Salt Lake, Minnesota, and Miami in that order before New York returns home the final weekend of March against Orlando. He is Steve Jolly. We thank Gordon Stevenson for his technical assistance. I'm Matt Harmon from the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. Thanks, as always, for joining us here on Inside the Booth.